Welcome to the 144th episode of Rank and Review. I'm your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. And this episode, our guest is going to be Mitch Oliver of the Terror Table podcast. He returns to discuss the topic of witches. And we're just getting this done under the wire. We're going to get it recorded tonight and I'm going to have it out tomorrow morning. We've been trying to get this scheduled, uh, this recording together for a while, but various things kept getting in the way for both ends of this. It's almost like it was a cursed production. It's almost like there were some witches out there that didn't want us talking shit about their cinema. Anyway, uh, as usual, you should go into this episode of Rank and Review expecting spoilers, expecting coarse language, and perhaps, maybe, it's a cursed episode? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let's find out. Um, please do send me feedback at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, any kind of feedback you have there, we have... Uh, this website at rankandreview.ca and it's pretty nice you should check that out and uh, please tell a friend about rank and review and check out the terror table podcast because it is good now let's talk witches bitches record just now just perfect so jump right into it thank you so much for returning to rank and review excited to be here 144th episode and this is a rare occasion we're recording it the night before it drops that's <laughs> I'm crazy gonna, i'm gonna cut this and throw it up tomorrow morning well, so thank you for doing that well we made this promise on yeah the podcast and i believe yeah. in keeping my promises oh, yeah. <laughs> so here we sit uh but we were supposed to do this a week ago and i had this terrible like what I was calling like an anger cough going on where yeah. like I would cough until I was gasping for air and like the world had to reconstitute around me <laughs> and the first thing that I would do once the world came back was just like fuck yeah I was like angry sick yeah. so I had to postpone it last time oh that's <laughs> fine I had to postpone the time before because I got my throat cut open so right yeah there we go so, so we, we all have our excuse yeah we're both good now yeah <laughs> so we're gonna talk about witches yeah, and I know you say you're a fan of yeah, witches. Like, like the last time I was on, you gave me an, a you gave me a bunch that I could choose from, and I was like, "There's a theme here," and I was like, "Oh, this is a witch theme," and I'm like, "I've kind of been known on the territory to be a witch guy." Right. 
I just have grown up with movies like uh, one we'll talk about today is The Craft. Right. I grew up by two older sisters, so The Craft was a huge influence on my like upbringing in horror. Even I feel like it was a good gateway for me. Girl power, man. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah, and that and uh, like shame. A shameless plug for Hocus Pocus. I love right. that movie, and that's my girlfriend's favorite movie of all time. My sisters loved it, so and uh, it's been nice seeing witches come to the forefront of horror lately in like a like in a Hollywood way that you don't see re- re- like as much anymore, like uh, Hereditary last year, oh, yeah. and even well, the Conjuring movies, if to an extent. Like I suppose one could said, I still think of those as ghost movies personally. Yeah, but uh, even Hereditary. No, I mean the Conjuring oh yeah yeah movies. yeah yeah, but like. Uh, yeah, that was a bad example. So. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but for me, and this might be controversial, and may tip my hand on some of the movies that we're going to talk about here, it wasn't until The Witch that I saw, for me, a 100% completely successful witch movie to my Fantastic mind. Fantastic film. There are movies that had witches in it that I liked, <laughs> but I, there's very few, like, really hitting it out of the park witch movies for me, okay? Yeah, like, I don't know, do, or would you consider Pumpkinhead a witch movie? Like it has a, there's witch a witch in, in it. it, yeah, but and it's, it's based around a witch's head. curse. It's kind of a monster movie. Yeah, it is a, the witch is very important. I always, when I was a kid, found the witch scarier than Pumpkinhead. Yeah, <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. I would totally agree with that. And then the other one, like, because uh, like debatably, we're talking about one of my favorite witch movies today. Okay, um, but I think like yeah, like you said, the the. Um, Robert Eggers, The Witch, which came out recently. I love that movie. I think it's one of my favorites of the last 10 years in just movies in general. Like, right. I just, I've, it's one of the most picture perfect witch films ever, and it might not ever be topped because it's just, in essence, it's just, it's a witch movie. It covers all bases. Um, but what do you think about, uh, well, like, I, do you consider Rosemary's Baby a witch movie? I consider it an occult movie. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, how about The Skeleton Key? I, I still have never seen yeah, it. That's a- yeah, I've well, never I, seen minor it. Minor spoilers, then, yeah. because I mentioned it oh, in context fine. of a witch yeah. movie. <laughs> no. that, uh, yeah, there's very much that component to that movie that, that they really hold their cards close. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I honestly, I think it's the other, like, the movie that Kate Hudson made after Almost Famous that didn't suck, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I saw, I, yeah, <laughs> I've heard such mixed reviews on that one. I just have never gotten around to seeing it. I don't know. I like My girlfriend it. loves I it. it. So. It's one of those things, too, that because I had such low expectations when I yeah. first saw it, I might have... Kate Hudson horror movie. movie. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for me, I, I like the idea of a witch, and I like I want to see a really good scary witch movie, yeah. but it seems like very rarely do I get it. But um, I remember there's this animated movie I used to watch a lot when I was a kid called The Last Unicorn. Yes, of course. Right? Yeah. And there's this evil witch that runs this fucked up carnival. Uh, and she always really stuck in my head as this figure of like, yeah, yeah you don't want to go near that bitch. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about like Angelica Houston's witches? Uh, the Again, witches. That was a safer movie. I yeah. mean, for a kid who had seen The Exorcist while he was still yes. in the okay. age category, I wasn't as traumatized by that movie as other kids yeah. were. I, I there were kids movies that did fuck me up, like the Watership Downs and whatnot. Yes, where they, yeah. they just hit you out of left field. Totally. But that one, I just yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was pretty hard. But yeah, that's I just like the the practical effects. Oh, yeah. I love the makeup in it. That's one thing I really like. I want to give. I don't know what before we continue. Um, 
a witch movie that came out last year that I have a strong affinity for is called Pie Wacket. Have you seen it yet? I have not seen Pie Wacket. Okay, I'll have to lend it to you. You lend me movies, I lend you okay. movies. Even though I know you already Simple have a library. Life. Yeah. But you should... Uh, I just gave it a rewatch actually a couple of weeks ago and it's directed by Adam McDonald, the director of Backcountry. Okay. So it's like Backcountry, but a witch movie. So, <laughs> so he, you, he's Canadian. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. We had him on the terror table yes. actually and he's... Yeah, he's great and... Uh, upon my second viewing of Piwacket, it's gone so far up in my books as far as which movies go. It's very solid. Right. Again, very I guess solid. I didn't know which. That's the one where like this woman tries to curse her mom or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's it's really it's an occult movie as well. But they're the less I say the better. But it's definitely it definitely falls in line. It would fit in the plethora of the movies we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people sort of think it's a tired idea. This sort of old hag figure. Yeah. This this powerful. Uh, evil intent sort of put inside this old hag of image we sort of prefer the empowered sort of teenage pretty witch these days yeah um but for me again it i guess it's maybe the corruption of female power yeah because in almost all cases let's say they have a genuine bone to pick with us now our our punishment's not going to fit fit the crime at all but yeah <laughs> like the, I agree. there's something about this like all, most good creatures have an element of allegory or or, or empathy you can put upon them yeah and that's easy it's easy to say you know totally you've lived a hard life yeah but please don't eat me yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, agree so is there anything else you want to say by way of introduction before i list these guys off no i think i'm ready to delve in okay we're going to talk about dario argento's suspiria we're going to talk about lucky mcgee's the woods we're going to talk about hansel and gretel witch hunters that's from tommy Ricola. <laughs> did you ever see dead snow yeah, and Dead Snow 1 and 2, yeah, actually. Yeah. Did he do 2 as well? He did both Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Season of the Witch uh, from Dominic Senna. Uh, the Craft. And, uh, is it Andrew Fleming? I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> and, of course, Rob Zombie. We're going to talk about Rob Zombie again with Lords of Salem. Last yeah. time you were here, we talked about his version of Halloween. Um It'll be interesting. Are we going to have the same conversation again? Yeah, no, and uh, that's the that's the other thing is uh, going into this. I just want to say this: the same thing happened the first time I came on, where you send me the list of movies I got to watch, and I'm like, I already know exactly what my list is and ranking, and not one of them has landed in the spot that I thought it was going to land in upon rewatches of all these movies. Right. And uh, but like last time you said, we talked about Halloween. And I had said, like, I'd said some nice words about Lords of Salem, and I still, we'll get to it and everything, but uh, it's one of two Rob Zombie movies that I like. It's my second favorite Rob Zombie movie, and I don't particularly <laughs> love either of them. Right. <laughs> so, but it's going to be an interesting conversation. It I sounds think. like a compliment, but maybe it's not a compliment. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's, I think it's one of those ones, yeah, we'll get to it. Well, well to it. we have a couple, I think, of what movies people would call classics in the list here. And then we have, in my opinion, I don't want to put words in your mouth, two, I think, bad movies, but I think that they're bad movies that are kind of, like, different in how they're yeah. bad, and in that way, they're kind of interesting, and then there's a couple of wild cards, right? <laughs> I will be shocked if I take home the medal tonight. <laughs> the guy, I do not think it's going to happen. It's not an easy, obvious rank for me, so no. uh, I guess without further ado, let's, let's do this. Roses are red, violets are blue. Suspiria. Suspiria. 
Suspiria. Suspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. So I've been on the record on the podcast in the past saying like, I am not overly big on Jallo, typically. I mean, there are some exceptions to the rule. I don't dismiss the entire genre, but I've never been like one of these guys who really gets behind Cannibal Holocaust, who gets excited yep. by, you know, the next Mario Bava movie. Uh, Dario Argento is interesting because he's such a respected director and he, he has done great things for horror. I mean, without Dario Argento, we wouldn't have had Dawn of the Dead. So yep. thank you, Dario Argento. My big problem is this movie, Suspiria, is, our, is considered like his probably masterpiece most people consider it the high water mark for him yeah and in his opinion at least in an interview i'd read he said his personal favorite work is phenomena i have seen phenomena and i have seen suspiria and i'm not huge on either oh yeah <laughs> suspiria is one of these movies that i appreciate i understand why people like it i get that it's a great grand example of sort of the giallo technical cinema and that its stylistic approach is, well, unmissable. It's very bright, the colors and the contrast, the shadows, big booming shots, and an oppressive and loud goblin score. It's a fantasy, it's a nightmare, it's surreal, it's everything at once. Yeah. Uh, this American dancer has gone to this obscure uh, ballet academy in somewhere Europe. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the only things that's explained in the movie, and it's through narration. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's the thing is, like, I, I, I actually just sorry to cut you off, but no, no. the first time I saw Suspiria was last year. Okay. So I'm fairly new to it, right. and uh, it's one that I should have seen a long time ago. Oddly enough, I saw movies like Deep Red and uh, Cat of Nine Tails before I saw this. More of the splatter cinema. Yeah, and like that's, and then actually we did an episode on Suspiria, and we were corrected that it's not a giallo, apparently. I think horror nerds will find a way to dispute anything, but it's like not the classic black <clears throat> gloved masked maniac, you know? Right. But I it's totally. It's done by one of the most famous yeah, exactly. directors. Yeah. It's a horror. There is a brutal kill at the beginning of the movie where we see a hole that is in the, <laughs> so big in the chest that we see the beating heart being stabbed yeah. by the. It's pretty hard. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> right? is, yeah. So, yeah. Um, because of the aesthetic, though, it, it, I do find as much as in one way it sort of draws you in because it's so unique, in another way it pushes me back because it doesn't just it doesn't feel real to me. Tell me, how, how credible are the performances in this movie to you? I, I think for what it is and of its time, and like I, I think that they're completely credible. Like I, I love the actors in this movie, but I think that it is like... Like you said, you it's you're not you're kind of led to believe that it's a nightmare, but it's actually happening. But is it actually happening? Like it's a surrealist film for sure. Yeah. But it's I don't know. Like I I think for the most part the acting's competent. I don't know. I find like the students, they behave like children mm-hmm. and they come off like children, but they're being performed by teenagers and twenty year olds. Yeah. 
And then if you know the behind the scenes, the original draft, the, the students were much younger. Yeah. But as things got darker and what we're going to be subjected to became uglier, it made sense to make them older. And yeah. they made that adjustment clearly without adjusting the script. For sure. Listen to some of that dialogue. It's kind of cringy. Yeah. I think, and I think I, I chalked a lot of that up to it being far ahead of my time. Like right. I were and it's in such a, it's one of these things like I've been known to, I'm a big fan of Darren Aronofsky's work right. and not to go off on a tangent on that, but it's offer, he always offers you a look into a world that you're not totally familiar with. And that's one thing about Suspiria is I know next to nothing about ballet, especially in um, like th this style of ballet. And like, I felt like everything about it was foreign to me. So I, it was hard for me to find the negatives in it. I definitely was one of the fanboys right. of it. <laughs> well, and I understand you cannot fake any movie. And yeah. again, this has that weird Lynchian problem where it's a dream, a nightmare, a fantasy, or whatever you want to yeah. be. But in one scene where the girls are sleeping, there's an attic space above them that drips maggots down upon them. Yes. And in another scene, they can hear people walking above them, and they use that as a measure to follow where this girl goes to meet the king or queen witch yeah. or whatever well which of those things are true is the attic above them or this big hallway right there's inconsistency yeah. to w within what what we would understand is like it almost out yeah. of the school itself yeah. it almost cheats in a way uh because it's in such a weird setting that there's no way you can actually depict exactly where everything is in the in the school that they're in it's kind of like the overlook hotel even in the shining like there's plenty of rooms in there that you're like well that didn't that wasn't there before it's <laughs> in its best moments it does have this oppressive creepy atmosphere my yeah. personal favorite thing that happens in the movie and this strange blind guy we keep seeing who has been walking through a lot of the shots with his dog suddenly has this strange feeling come over him in the courtyard like he feels something bad's about to happen and you know what he has limited perspective so we're looking at all the corners to try and see where this is going to come from and he ends up getting taken out by his own dog and there's something so horrible and random about that it's sort of memorable yeah <laughs> yeah i think well i think there's like more a lot of this movie is very memorable <laughs> like i i saw i so i've now seen it two times and I liked it even more the second time. Like, I, I'm a big fan of this. It's one of those ones where it could be disputed that it's style over substance. But in this case, I feel like the style is the substance. And I feel like that's, like, what makes it a really interesting movie. And I think that it's one of those movies that, like, you can... You can only, it's one, it's a, you can see how many other movies that this has influenced. Even, I know we talked on the podcast that when you were on the terror table last time, uh, Mandy, you could see that Mandy was for sure inspired by Suspiria. Right. In some ways, at least, like the color schemes and everything. Um, but I think it just feeds into the whole madness and, you know, the confusion. I think the confusion plays a big role in this movie, whereas your main character is. Uh, she's totally confused this entire time too. So it's almost like you're going with her and discovering all of these weird things throughout her journey throughout the film. And that's just a personal feeling I have about it. No, and it's the visual stuff that will sort of keep me engaged to it. It's one of those things that I become suspicious of when it means so much, it means 
everything and nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. It means whatever you want it to mean. I uh, yeah, and I normally sus- hate that. Yeah. I get suspicious of those sort of things. I will say that of this uh, Three Sisters trilogy, which includes Inferno and Mother of Tears, yeah. I think this is solidly the best. Yeah, by far. Three, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Comfortably. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's not uninteresting, but it's considered by many a horror classic. So if <laughs> I seem less enthusiastic, it's just... Yeah, it's another one of those ones that I feel like I should like more than I do. I know most people respect it a lot more than I do. And I, I guess I respect it more than I like it is where, I, yeah. where I'm coming here to. Where I'm like, uh, it's an original piece, definitely. I see its influence. I understand why it's stuck culturally. Um, the Goblins <clears throat> thing is a weird mix. Like, I kind of dig the soundtrack by oh, itself, yeah. but... Sometimes I find the score obtrusive as it's being used. It's very overbearing in this, but it's probably my favorite part about the movie. Yeah. I love the score in this movie. And, like, I love how loud it is. And it's just, yeah, it's so strange. And it kind of reverses the sensibilities a little bit. Because the style and the color are so loud and the music is so in your face, it's, it's... it's not the sedate, quiet, quiet, boom. The movie's actually constantly kind of screaming at you. Yeah. And you'd think that that would make it less frightening. But in a way, it, it, you can't hear what's coming. Because yeah. it's being drowned out by the score. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's a, what's the famous tagline for... It's on the front of like the VHS poster. It's like the only thing scarier than the last 12 minutes of the movie or first, first 68 or whatever. Yeah, right. And it's just like... I don't know. I think that this movie has one of the most memorable... I think it's a very memorable movie. Like anyone can look at it, and like I said, they could see the inspiration. If someone's inspired by Dario Argento, the nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be because of Suspiria. Yeah. And uh, but like the the ending with the hag in this movie, I feel like is one a very effective witch scene. And I found it interesting to discover that it was she was a lady of the night that Dario Argento hired off the street, and it's just like that's a very like. It's just, it's strange and uncomfortable to think that he would even put his actors in that position right. where they'd be working with someone who's not a professional and someone who they don't know anything about. Uh, so that's strange. But also that person kind of killed it. <laughs> that role, <laughs> Like it was very believable and it was very scary. Well, and there's something about like she finds the witch, defeats the witch, like yeah. simultaneously. It almost, it almost seems like it's setting up for a final act, but nope. Yeah. <laughs> Question for you: Have you seen the remake of Suspiria yet? I have. What do you think? I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I think um, it's not obviously like a, according to Hoyle remake, and then I think it's obviously telling a very different story. Yeah, I think it's is. the polar opposite of this movie in a but lot of it's, ways. It's like Suspiria in that it's very stylistically bold. Yeah, but it's. I think it's like dull. Like it's stylistically <laughs> dull. Like it's like the complete opposite of what this is. And I think that that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I feel similar in that I respect it maybe more than I like. Yeah. <laughs> I was curious uh, like what you think, because I know a lot of people actually who prefer the remake over the original. Yeah. And uh, I can see both sides. I can also under I can understand entirely someone not loving this movie mm-hmm. or the remake. I realize that I am in the minority on this. It's sort of like a Texas Chainsaw thing, although, like, the same thing. I respect Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I I can't go there with you. Well, I understand. (laughs) No, I respect Texas Chainsaw. I understand it. But it's just, it's never been, to me, the same level of uber classic that it is to most people. Yeah. Which is why I will will cop to it whenever it comes up. I respect it. I just, it's not my bag. I find it more unpleasant than enjoyable, right? Yeah. (laughs) That, okay, I can understand that. (laughs) But... 
Uh, I would never say don't watch Suspiria. Uh, I mean, like I said, my opinion is a minority one. I do think it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but uh, I don't think it's a classic. Okay, yeah. In my opinion, it's it's a new classic for me because I can't fully like I still am sitting on it from it's only been a year, so it'll have to see how it holds up in a couple years. But I liked it enough that I picked up. Uh, Synapse Films released a Blu-ray of this, and it's like a 4K restoration. And right. it's funny that you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In my mind, a lot of these horror movies don't, they shouldn't be seen 4K. Yeah. Suspiria 100% should be. It looks amazing in 4K. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it should, the grid, the more it looks like VHS, the better. No, it should be soft, <laughs> yeah. almost. It, it should, should be, be just gross, and yeah, it <laughs> should be, it should hurt to watch. But if you're going to watch it, and uh, if you are a fan of Suspiria and you're thinking about it, because it is pricey, yeah. I pulled the trigger and I am, uh, no no, I don't regret it at no all. Check it out. Make up your own mind. 1977. Sorry, go ahead. Dracula 3D. Dracula 3D? So, like, Dario Argento. So, that's that's where I was getting at with the whole, like, have you seen the remake? Because I know Dario Argento pretty much despises the remake. Right. And I think that he's kind of lost his opinion after Dracula 3D. No, it's been getting pretty sad in the late stage of Argento's career. It's almost like... You either need to make a truly great movie and immediately retire, yeah. or just retire. Or just stop, <laughs> stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we can always remember the time where, you know, everyone was excited. Exactly. Deep in the woods. In the heart of New England. A girl who never fit in. Heather? Miss Traverse, headmistress, welcome to our college. Has finally found a home. Have you all met Heather? Friends? Oops. How did you come to attend this school? My mom wanted me out of the house. A loving mother never abandons her child. Why is she afraid of you? I know what you're here for. You're special too. Mom, I just want to come home. Stop being such a weakling. No doubt you have all heard that one of our family went missing sometime last night. What the hell was that? Have you heard or seen strange things happen at the school? You shouldn't go into the woods. It's not safe. A door has been opened. Some girls are different. They find you. They do tests. If a girl gets too strong, she's useless to them. And fear has been unleashed. It's time to put your gifts to use. Somebody told me my daughter went on a rampage. We have a certain way of doing things around here. And you had better figure out what that way is. Lucky McGee has a little bit of a theme of girl power going through his horror movies. May, I think, is fantastic. I really, really liked it. The woman kind of split me down the middle because it's just so fucking ugly yeah. that it's hard to really get any pleasure out of it after a point. I believe it's well-intentioned. I do. Yeah. Um, All Cheerleaders Must Die has a bit of an ending fail, but I think, again, it's in that sort of well-meaning sort of Joss Whedon girl power universe so we can get behind it. So now we're going to talk about The Woods. 
Uh, it's set in the 60s at a girls' reform school, supposedly. But as we learn, it's run by a coven of witches, and they're recruiting powerful young women to help them, you know, well, A, maintain their immortality, and B, get out of this place because they've been trapped in this school for a very long time. Uh, the, the story is sort of slowly unspooled to us through the experience of the central character played by Agnes Bruckner. Um, and the movie kind of hinges on a malevolent, creepy performance from Patricia Clarkson, who, an actress, as an actress, is someone I really, really like, but who is way better at playing warm than she is. You think time. so? I do. I think, generally speaking, I think when I think of her, I think of, like, The Green Mile, or, uh, like, um, the, with that Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, yeah. She, she's got this sort of strength and warmth to her. There's this The Station Agent movie where she's just heartbreaking in it. Um, she's got this sort of really human quality to her that sort of, I find her endearing. And uh, so for me, it was an uphill battle to see her, you know, playing a clearly evil figure. And the movie, I don't know if it's trying to play, is she or isn't she? Like, clearly everybody at this school is bad news. (laughs) Clearly. So it's not my favorite Lucky McGee movie, but it's one of those things where every time I've watched it, I've gotten a little bit more from it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But on on the paper, you know, so we got this coven of witches. It's set in the 60s, all-girls school. Bruce Campbell shows up. Let's get excited about the woods. And if you go in with that energy, I can see kind of being let down by it. I think that the biggest problem with the woods is that it's just okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This was a first time watch for me. Right. So I borrowed borrowed this from you. And I'm going to be honest, I'd never even heard of it. There you go. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And uh, I'm familiar with Lucky Mickey's work. Like uh, uh, All Chillers Die in May in particular. I saw those ones recently. Uh, or I rewatched them recently. And I, for the most part, I like what he does. Uh, but I think that this is his best movie. Oh, really? I loved it. Well, that's I, good to Yeah, I had a lot of... I had a really good time. And I think it's because I had zero ex- expectations going into it. I knew nothing, next to nothing about it. And I was genuinely surprised by it. I think that it's a... Uh, it's a little confusing is where I th- like I think it could have been it could have benefited from a little bit more clarity because uh, I think that there's some stuff where they're trying to leave it um, ambiguous but it's not really working for it and I think it, it would have come together in the end a lot better if we would have had you know if they would have just not spoon feed you but they offered a little bit more there's not much mystery to the mystery so where yeah. you get your meal and I do think you get your meal here. But a lot of people won't appreciate this as readily as maybe film nerds will. Is the character payoffs? Yeah. Um, the I can't remember the name of the actress who's playing the bully character in this. Oh uh, yeah, Rachel Nichols. Yeah, she's brutal. She, yeah, she comes off so aggressive at first. Yeah. Like this is not realistic. Why is this like flat bully character being so uncolorfully portrayed? Yeah. Well, she's actually actively trying to warn Agnes, but she can't do it. In a direct way. Yeah. She's being very covert about it. So if you come in with a standoffish sort of perspective to the movie, you might dismiss the Rachel Nichols character unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or or the twitchy school teacher who uh, she inadvertently kind of makes fun of. And that's the first time she sees sort of the real kind of anger behind the Patricia Clarkson character. But it's almost a, a movie of manners of, you know, be careful how you tread in the hallways. Yeah, totally. It very slowly turns into much more of a supernatural beast. Yeah. 
Oh, no, I totally agree. And especially that's one of the things that was really impressive about it for me was the, the CGI, the, the trees and everything. It looked really, I think that the, the movie looked really interesting and it looked like something that I hadn't seen before. And that was interesting. And uh, how you had mentioned P- Patricia Clarkson, you see her as a warm character. I just finished watching uh, Sharp Objects, which is a new TV show where she plays a horrible mother. <laughs> like, okay. And she's just brutal. <laughs> and she's so, I think she's so good at doing both things. I think she, like, but I think it might have been easier for me to swallow after spending 10 hours with her being like that character. Right. So uh, having seen that before I saw The Woods, I think I was more accustomed to it. And I was like, I even said to my girlfriend while we were watching, I was like, damn, she's good at being a bitch. <laughs> like, she's just like really good at being like kind of catty and like she she almost shows no emotion and uh that's like one of her strengths but i also really enjoyed uh, agnes bruckner's performance i thought that she was really likable and sympathetic and uh in a way that she i don't feel like you see these characters and kids all that often and i think that that's one thing lucky mckee is strong at is its portrayal of characters like the character all of his in may some of the most memorable characters are in that movie <laughs> um even like how he could turn anna ferris into the character that she was in that um i think he he seems like an a director who's an actor's director like i he always seems to get good performances even if his movies might end up being a little mediocre at sometimes i found her rebelliousness coming off a little bit smug sometimes yeah but that's kind of authentic to teenage girls as well. I so think it's so. Hard to completely yeah. dismiss it. Like, yeah, I think she's definitely a little smug, but I think it's uh, she's going through that teen rebellion phase, and she just so happens to find herself in like a prep school of types. So, like, the, if there's a place for someone to rebel, it's here. Yeah. So. Uh, and the character payoffs, like I say, they kind of surprise you. Her mother is portrayed as kind of awful throughout yeah. the movie. Everything that her mother says tells us she's awful. Yeah. But when shit goes bad with her mother, we feel terrible and we sort of like, we see their love for each other at the last second when everything's gone catastrophically wrong. Totally. And uh, again, that's not an easy note to play. And I think it's, it's handled well. Totally. Um, My problem with the movie is just how it slowly unfolds to such a degree. Like uh, I kind of figure out the story while I'm waiting for the story. Yeah. And I feel like I have figured out the story. Well, the story's still like playing out yeah. in front of me. I like the characters enough that I go with it, but I understand that some people will just say it was a little bit. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with you on any of that. And I think that I was just, I was enjoying it so much that I was okay to be being along with the ride right. and seeing it play out, even though you know the audience is m- maybe a couple steps ahead of the movie sometimes. Right. Um, I think it was just a surprise for me because I, it's a witch movie that I never heard about. Where did and, this come from? Yeah, and then I, I looked it up and I, I talked to some friends and like all of my friends have seen this movie. I'm generally <laughs> I'm generally the the movie guy that like you know finds the real weird cuts. But I'm like they're like how have you not seen The Woods? I'm like don't tell me this is a well known movie. But uh, I don't know. I, re- I really enjoyed it. There's the line from the under-respected masterpiece, Tremors, where yes. uh, Fred Ward and uh, Kevin Bacon are discussing the worms. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is heard to result. Oh, oh, 
Everybody heard about him, Earl. We just didn't tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it was. That we is, conspired yeah. against yes. you. Oh. We all just we talked to each other. Mitch doesn't get to know about the woods yeah, until exactly. we're ready for Mitch to know about. Yeah. Them. <laughs> uh, one last thing I'll say about the woods before we move on, though, <laughs> is if uh, for some reason there are listeners out there who are keeping up with the chilling adventures of Sabrina TV show. Correct. And if you haven't seen the woods, I think it's worth a look if you're a fan because I'm a fan of that show. Okay. I really I I enjoy it for what it is, but I think the woods it's not it's very different um but in some ways it's kind of like a more dull version almost a more grown-up version of it i also want to say that i like that it lulls you into this sort of safe pg-13 atmosphere and it's not when it gets to the third act shit gets pretty fucking right yeah i i loved that about about it (laughs) no and i like that because it sort of surprises for you like usually you're either one thing or you're not yeah you're either wearing your r rating proudly or but this totally just like makes the gore count yeah that's a witch movie thing too, hey? Yeah. And I was like, even, once again, I guess this could be a gypsy, but drag me to hell. Right. It's a, I guess it's 14A, but I think PG, PG or 14A, that's a, it does the exact same thing. <laughs> Just such a gross movie. But It's a very fluid movie. Yeah. Yes. Sam Raimi does love his fluids. Uh, if it sounds like a movie that would interest you, definitely check it out. I agree. Slow burn. Yes. Be prepared for that. Yeah. But a worthy one. Totally. Good enough? Good enough. Me and my sister, we have a past. We almost died at the hands of a witch. That past made us stronger. We'd gotten a taste of blood, witch blood. And we haven't stopped since. My name is Gretel, and this is my brother, Hansel. I'm not going to have you telling me what to do. How do you best kill a witch? Cutting off her head tends to work. I hate that one. last two weeks, we have five children taken from us. A witch does not come out in the open like that. I don't think we're hunting witches. There's something else going on here. We have to find those kids. Let's start with this. Shoot anything that moves. I see you got my invitation. I have my sister. So, if you're going to sit down and watch a movie called Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, I think you have to be prepared to take some shit on the chin. Yeah. Okay? Like, obviously this is a turn your brain off and try to enjoy the ride sort of experience. There's kind of two kind of bad movies. There's like the bad movies that are just so forgettable they can't really, don't even stick in your brain. Yeah. And that's, that's like the faintest of praise you can give a movie. Like, I forgot about it as I watched it. Yeah. I couldn't honestly sit here and tell anybody that I thought Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters was a great movie. But it's a pretty memorably bad movie. <laughs> I mean, it's got style, it's got energy, it's got no brain. 
None whatsoever. <laughs> and this is another one that's a first time watch for me. Right. I borrowed this in the woods from you. I thought this was a PG movie. Right. No. So I never watched it because I was like, why would I watch this? Right. I had so much fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Like, I, I don't know. I thought, like, well, when here's I was... why. Here's why. Tommy Bercola. Yeah. Uh, who brought us Dead Snow. And yeah. And the sequel. I much prefer the original to the oh, sequel. Oh, really? And I like the sequel more. I like, I like both of them. Yeah. But there's something magical about that first watch. It overperformed for me the yeah. first time I saw it. Right? And that's how I felt about the second one, too. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm cheering for this guy. Uh, but, like I said... It is really stupid. It's like, uh, not cyberpunk, what do they call it? Steampunk, yeah. basically, fairy tale environment. Hansel and Gretel did that, went through that ugly experience, experience in the candy house. They killed them a witch, acquired a quote taste for it. Jeremy yeah. Renner ridiculously is suffering from diabetes. Yeah, it's... Uh, Gemma Atherton befriends a giant talking troll beast. Named Philip, is it? Yeah, and he, he uses a tree as a weapon to squash people's heads like tomatoes. Peter Stamari gets his nose ripped off and takes it like a champ. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, uh, you can... It's all coming back. Fanke Johansson is vamping it up so hardcore as this, like, uber witch. Yeah. It's not boring. No. Say what you will about Hansel and Gretel. Which I wouldn't happens. say it's a. It's I would, not boring. And I wouldn't even say it's a bad movie. Like I feel like I judged it before it came out, and like I think it's successful in what it's trying to do. I just think that there's. Uh, it's kind of like it could have gone in that Evil Dead direction. You could tell that that's like kind of where he was hoping to go. Yeah, it's somewhere in the Sam Raimi world. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a Paramount movie. So it's a big budget. It's like in two thousand, I think fourteen is when it came out, or. 2012 either way it was like i didn't i i know so many people who went and saw this in the theater who i would have never guessed would go see this in the theater and they did not like it right so i was just like oh then it's a bad movie but little did i know that no it's a movie that i would love because it's bad in the way that it's just like it's super over the top i, I guess bad is dismissive it's dumb it's dumb. It's very dumb. <laughs> like the way that they're talking and like how it's supposed to be back in the Hansel and Gretel times it's just like the devices with which they use to dispatch the witches are as enjoyable as they are in no way credible. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, exactly. I think this is a movie where it just wants you to have fun. And I think that there is a lot worse offenders out there for who, that tried doing the exact same thing. And uh, I think that it succeeded in a lot of ways. And I think... Like, there, there are parts of this movie where I felt like it was like, did Jim Henson do some of this? Like, because, like, there's a lot of, like, Dark Crystal-esque, uh, like, makeup designs in here. And I just thought, and I, it found me, I found myself in a rabbit hole about Hensel and Gretel Witch Hunters and why I didn't give this a chance before. But there's, like, 48 makeup artists who worked on this movie. And I think that they, the set decoration alone, I'm just like, it's so appealing to look at. And it speaks to me as a, a kid, a guy who grew up watching, getting scared from movies. Like even, I know this is quite different, but like, like we were talking about uh, animated movies as kids that scared us. Like Secret of the Nim was one right. that oh, scared yeah. me. So it's kind of like, you know, being, having a world like that brought out, but then it's like, we're going to throw a bunch of blood at you too. And they're going to swear a lot. We're and the women are going to be gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> like it's just... John Arderton, man. And Famke Jensen. She is so unbelievably yeah. gorgeous she's one of the most perfect human beings like, 
Yeah. Like, I hate to sound like such a dude, but, yeah, like, I feel I like I just transformed into one of those cartoon wolves howling yeah. at the moon. Exactly. Every time I see this woman, she's ridiculously attractive. I know. I feel like Wayne and Wayne's World and... <laughs> shring. <laughs> and again, I'm sorry to, like, be driven by baser elements. Exactly. Yeah. There is a very genuine appeal to having Gemma Anderson yeah. in your movie. This will be the most alpha male will sound today, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, but like, and again, I, she shows up in good genre movies. Like, yeah, I, I love the girl with all the gifts. I love yeah, Byzantium. Movie. Like, so this is not her high water mark. No. but I'm always happy to see Jim. Yeah, <laughs> it's also a weird time for Jeremy Renner. Yes, <laughs> like it's because this is kind of when they're like, should we? Hollywood's like. Should Jeremy Renner be a star? Do we know yet? Are we going to pull the trigger on this Jeremy yeah. Renner? Guy? Is he going to be in the Avengers eventually? <laughs> like, and uh, for the most part, he does what he was, I think, cast to do. Yeah, I think everyone in this movie was. Famke Jensen always plays a similar character, um, but she didn't attempt any kind of strange accent. This exactly. Time, so yeah. we'll give her that. <laughs> and that is like one of the number one crimes in film for me is when you can't pull off an accent but you commit to it yeah. and we'll talk about that today <laughs> but good lord like I think I agree with you this is like it's it's a laughable movie but it's a great time and it's asking you to laugh with it yeah. like if it was trying to play for my heartstrings if it was really like you know yeah. I might start to get pissed off exactly and I don't feel like they took it overly serious ever no okay we just had a crazy matrix fight with this witch in the middle of the woods okay yeah. so we just know what this is right? exactly and uh the idea with the spreading like the fish wire, whatever between the yeah. branches of the oh, trees, God. Yeah. that would be very effective for both catching good and bad witches. Because we do establish in this world that there, there are, are both some good yeah. witches out there. Yeah, it's such a bizarre last twenty minutes. <laughs> like it is just like ever. Like I just wish I could have been on set to be like. How do you guys think this is going to make money? <laughs> like, what do you think that this is what the world wants? Well, that's the thing. There is the who is this for question yeah. to be asked about this. Like, so it's it's into that sweet spot that they really hit the box office gold with, with like Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever. Yeah. But that was in a PG environment, so the yeah. teenagers could come out, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> and it was boring as hell. Like, <laughs> stylistically strong but I mean yeah. yeah this movie's going at a thousand miles an hour but it's a hard R so it's like almost too dumb for the adult audience yeah. but too hard for the young audience so we're in this weird limbo place which for me makes the movie kind of better memorable <laughs> yeah you know the Frighteners right oh of course like yes. in one hand the movie's completely like Disney-esque over the top silly and then on the other hand it's crazy scared, violent and dark yeah scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid there you go yeah. Uh, it has that kind of unstable, crazy energy to it. Totally. Which makes it, you know, easy to, to sort of watch. And as a, you know, dumb movie goes, sometimes I'll come home and, like, I want to watch something that's going to do all of the work for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I'm buying this movie. <laughs> like, and that's what, what, what I feel bad about is that we talked about Dario Argento Suspiria and, like, <laughs> Like, I'm speaking like this is going to be my number one, <laughs> but I'm just like, I think it was such a surprise for me because I had a whole bunch of fun watching it. Well, again, and that's, sometimes that happens. Like, you get a little bit of a picture in your head of what you yeah. expect this movie is going to be. Yeah. And it because it doesn't match that picture you made in your head doesn't mean that the movie failed. It exactly. just means that, you know, your expectations were skewed. 
That said, I don't want to oversell yeah, Hansel and Gretel I, because I think we're at I a think risk we're doing that. <laughs> doing that because you know, no, there is a lot of stupid stuff that happens in there, and the movie's fairly straight faced about it. It's yeah. not winking, which also would have gotten old. Like, yeah. there's a fu- little bit of a fun. Like, they have to respect the the narrow reality of the world that they establish. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think. Peter Stamar is way over the top. <laughs> I, I think he's been better in other movies. I, I find him as a memorably interesting devil in Constantine. Yeah, is he, he's the guy from Prison. Argo? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he's playing it really big and over the top, as he always tends I to. I love how I was about to say Prison Break, but you said Fargo. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, I should have said Fargo. <laughs> yeah. Debatably one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> or Prison Break. Anybody seen Fargo? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Wicker. I don't know what he's been up to. It's been a while since yeah. this happened. Uh, people act like this was a big bomb that got laid, but it did okay financially they contracted everybody involved to do sequels and uh as far as that goes that's still the thing that could very well happen yeah i would love to see it I, I remember reading about a potential sequel as well but with every year that goes by it seems not like a happen. sequel to a movie nobody remembers yeah. right like but i guess i would watch it especially if they had gamma and, and renner yeah like for sure sign yeah. me up exactly sign me up um, talking about Jeremy Renner too. Uh, it's what we were watching my early aughts sequel to Twenty Eight Days Later, Twenty Eight Months Later, is it? Which or, or what, weeks later? Pardon me. Yeah, where he's yeah. Jeremy Renner's in that. Idris Elba's in that. All oh, of these, I know. Like, yeah, it's like a crazy A list cast in this like fucking nuts. Yeah, zombie movie. Uh, it's kind of fun seeing. Yeah. Here's Hawkeye. Yeah, I know. Hey. Hawkeye yeah. playing a, a diabetic witch hunter. It's <laughs> yeah. as stupid as it sounds, and yet I would say, if it's to your taste, check this shit out. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Deliver us from evil. the weakness that lies in our hearts and what she sees there she will use against us this is a grave mother of god this is a curse from hell brought upon us by the black witch you're not afraid of me are you what is your name? Damon. You are the same knight who stood against the Turks of Embrath. The same? You must deliver the witch to the Abbey of Severac, where you will destroy the witch's powers. Can so much be entrusted to him? Oh, he will not be alone. Something's out there. She summoned wolves. How many more are going to die? None, if I can help it. You cannot do this! Step aside. So once upon a time, I watched a movie called California with a K. It was directed by this guy, Dominic Senna. And I thought to myself, I should keep an eye on this guy. Because it's going to be great, right? Yeah. Nope. 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 
Nope. The, his remake of Gone in 60 Seconds is as forgettable as you would expect something like that to be. Once Upon a Time, that was my favorite movie. Oh, I like, I'm, I'm <laughs> terribly sorry. No, 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 it was when I was nine years old. <clears throat> it was enough. when it came out. I loved Nicolas Cage. I, so, I've seen it, and I remember almost nothing about it. Yeah, that's fine. So, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you go. What uh, about Swordfish? Swordfish? I'm sure you. I'm sure you remember one scene the, at least. The highlight of that whole yeah, there's the big deal about Halle Berry's titties. Right? Yeah. Um, but the movie itself, completely forgettable and forgotten. I yeah, I can't remember right. anything else. And justifiably it. so. Yeah. Right? And here we come to 2011 and season of the witch, starring the you know well past it seems the best before date Nicolas Cage. You never know what you're gonna get with this guy. But uh, I, I watched an interview with him about the film, and he said that the most rewarding part of the experience for him was the time he spent getting used to being around horses and learning to ride horses, and oh. the partnership between man and beast. Not the story, not getting <laughs> lost in the character, not, you know, the idea of playing a 14th century knight of the Vatican yeah. <laughs> who uh, gets disillusioned by all the atrocities, comes back suffering from PTSD, and agrees to carry this suspected witch played by Claire Foy. <laughs> yeah, but she, this was before she was anything. She popped, yeah. yeah. But uh, to get to her proper trial as a witch. Uh, all this set in the backdrop of the plague and, you know, women being burned as witches. This movie commits many sins in that it takes an incredibly interesting premise and makes it boring takes like concepts like a, a wagon train being sieged by a bunch of gigantic wolves come off as lame yeah <laughs> like all of these things that you could see like this idea of your head how like if you someone gave a shit about yeah. it it would be really good these sort of huge wannabe sweeping battle scenes that are supposed to be showing us this uh, great you know uh, epic backstory to uh, Hellboy and Nicolas Cage's character. Yes. It feels like one of these scenes that you would get as a reward after playing a level at a video game. There's just no weight or credibility to anything that happens. Every single thing about this movie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like when I'm saying, yeah, Tensil and Gretel Witch Hunters was dumb. It was a dumb yeah. movie. But it knew it was a dumb movie and it was kind of okay with being a dumb movie. This is an incredibly dumb movie that doesn't know that it's no. a dumb movie. And that it feels like one of these rare occasions where it seems like everybody on set, in front of and behind the camera, were there for other reasons. Yeah, they didn't Contractual obligations, yeah. the next job. I mean, Claire Foy was probably just happy to have a gig. Exactly. I'm working with Nicolas Cage. That means that somebody might watch this yeah. movie. Right? But it is amazing, because this is the third time I've watched this movie now. Mine this too. Podcast and like oh. I struggle to come up with like interesting plot points to mention. Like Christopher Lee gives one of his last performances. In this what movie. a shame! Like what a goddamn <laughs> shame! Like it hurts to watch him like that. The idea of a supernatural story playing in the black backdrop of the plague actually I think is interesting. And if you'd like to see a good movie of that, I recommend Black Death from okay. Christopher Smith. Yeah. Uh, basically. This that one is premise, Ned Stark. In it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very similar premise to this, only it doesn't suck. Okay. So imagine like a, a not sucky person. Yeah, I, I would love that. <laughs> but the last and greatest crime, and the sorry spoilers, kids, for Season of the Witch, on this episode that is about witches, at the end of the fucking day, it's not even about a witch. <laughs> I know, it's like a demon or like a devil or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, suck my dick movie. That's yeah, bullshit. It's, yeah. No... I saw this in the theater. Nice. Yeah, uh, I went on a date to this one, and uh, 
I, I think that person thought that the day went so well that she would also gift me the Blu-ray copy of it. After. So you'd always remember. Exactly. But I think what, it was at the beginning stages, so I couldn't be that negative guy to be like, oh, I hated that. So I was like, yeah, it was good. And then, uh, I think at the time I thought that this was what I now think of Hansel and Gretel. I think I, at the time I thought that this was a good, bad movie because... I've always been a Nicolas Cage apologist. My first essay that I ever wrote as a kid was on Nicolas Cage's career when I was in grade <laughs> five. I was obsessed with Nicolas Cage. Fair enough. My man. password for everything was Con Air. <laughs> like, I loved Nicolas now Cage. Now I know all your secrets. Exactly, yeah. And I, I still love him. But, like, there's got there's a large portion of time in his, in his career that he has had to have had the world's worst agent. Well, he keeps on bankrupting himself. Exactly. So he could say yes to whatever comes yeah. down the pipe. But the I fact think. that this came along within the same five years as Ghost Rider, and like, I know he wanted to play Ghost Rider really yeah. bad, and like, that just failed for many other reasons, but like, the guy just couldn't make a movie for a long time. And I, I personally think he's back. But like his hairpiece in this movie, I don't know if it's real or fake, because I actually read an interview with him online. Where he said, a lot of the times when people think that my hair is, I'm wearing a wig, I'm not. And then when I'm wearing a wig, people think it's my real hair. <laughs> so I'm like, that's the great... I kept on thinking of that for 90% of this movie. Yeah, and also, thinking, is it or isn't a wig? That's I was like, what's is going it? through your Yeah, and, and how he looks like Chad Kroger of Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that and thinking, like, why does he keep cutting into his accent and then coming out of it? <laughs> like, there is... And then there's Ron Perlman, who notoriously always looks like he doesn't give a shit. But this is him at peak not giving a shit. Yeah. And I like, think this was like a free trip for him or something. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, but what did he see? Like, Because right. he it seems like he didn't even... He didn't respect anyone on set, that's for sure. Well, and like they're supposed to have this deep camaraderie and this sort of shared PTSD, and it doesn't read at all. Their you lines know? are pretty funny, though. Oh, I, I even I wrote down a couple... Uh, oh, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, because I... I Titled this, I didn't write Season of the Witch in my notes. I put The Crude Crusaders. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, they say, whoever slays the most men drinks for free. And then uh, Nicolas Cage says at one point, fine, I'll kill all 600 myself. <laughs> it's just Sing. like, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden they're supposed to be these like heart, like deep oh, souls, I know. right? Yeah, and they're connecting on the on the trek and everything. And The weird thing about Nicolas Cage is you just don't know. No. You just don't know. And sometimes he's like barely there. Like he's like just mumbling like he can't... Was he yeah. awake? No. And then other times he's so fucking ridiculously over the top. That that's what I like, love about him. Dude, yeah. what, what's happening? He can't figure out, like, and that's what I think he's best at is, like, going completely unhinged. And that's or him at if his he best. can navigate a character that takes us there yeah. in a sort of justifiable way. Like adaptation. Yeah. Which is a weird that we're talking about adaptation. I'm sorry to mention that during no. a season of The Witch Review, but Jesus well, that's Christ. the thing. This, this man is capable of greatness. Yeah. And, and I think that the director, although there's plenty of evidence to the contrary now, at least has in the past made movies that I found interesting. Yeah. So it's one of these magical things where like... I like the subject matter. I'm interested in the period. I don't mind the supernatural uh, layer to it. In fact, you know, I'm a yeah. horror movie fan. Like, I would make, I would put up with a lot of shit yeah. and still sort of make excuses for the movie. Yeah. I cannot make excuses for this movie. No, it it was hard on this watch. Like, yeah. really freaking hard. Like, the first couple times was enough, but like, like I said, I th I have memories of it being so bad that it's actually kind of good. It's just like the the jokes like the the so bad it's good stops within the first ten minutes of the movie and it's like <laughs> those lines that I'm talking about yeah and it's just like god damn it's never gonna end 
So, yeah, climactic moment of the movie. Uh, uh, the woman that we've been learning to love or like or, 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 or sympathize with over this long trek has turned into a demon and it envelops Ron Perlman in its wings and he's burnt into cinders and ash as he screams and Nis Nicolas Cage has no choice but to watch this go down and I feel... Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. And it's just such a... Like, it's a really... Blo like CGI blobby mess like it's like where we saw in Hansel and Gretel they had like m cool makeup effects at least and everything even that... when they were really CGI it was at least creative exactly what they were, yeah. like visually going yeah. for you like this of... looks like this looks like a video game that you find in like the four ninety nine pile like <laughs> it didn't look good when it came out and exactly it's ten years later yeah. Like, the journey that Season of the Witch had from its theatrical release to the two for $10 bin at Walmart was, like, weeks. And there's been a whole bunch of these Nicolas Cage movies that have sort of come and gone in that way. But you're right. Every now and then a man becomes out or a mom yeah. and dad. Yeah, which is totally. just kind of like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> get oh. on you, you know? And, uh, you know, maybe he's going to turn it around and become another, you know, Oscar contender once yeah. again. Because... There was a time, you know, where everybody was bound to the altar of Nicolas Cage, and now he sort of becomes this, like, self-parody. I think he's a joke to a lot of people, yeah. and I think that, you know, he kind of did that to himself. He and he continues to. very seriously, yeah. and I guess there's a good and bad aspects to yeah. that. If you're fascinated by Nicolas Cage, I guess you can watch this movie. It certainly goes down easier than, say, the, his remake of The Wicker Man. But, yeah, uh, but Wicker Man's funner to watch because it, that's a so terrible movie. I will take Nicolas Cage drop-kicking women and like punching <laughs> punching bears in the face. Like, But I, I actually made a fan cut of The Wicker Man. Nice. I made, it's, and it's all of the good parts of the movie. And it's one minute and ten seconds long. Oh, see that? That's probably yeah, so worth you your time. It. But I, yeah, I re recently rewatched that one for the podcast and did not it, enjoy myself. It is, it's rough. <laughs> uh, but it, so, but that's my that's my that's my praise of, of season of the witch. I would recommend that over the Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, faint praise indeed. Yeah. Where I would say is instead of watching season of the witch, just go on YouTube and find Nicolas Cage uh, singing "Purple Rain" at karaoke because that is something that happened recently, huh. and that will give you more joy than this movie ever could. Mitch, you're very wise. <laughs> to the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. Columbia Pictures welcomes you to the witching hour. Her spell is working. Sit.
the craft. Girls, watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. So Andrew Fleming directed this sort of teen-oriented witch thriller horror movie, The Craft. Uh, he made a movie that I quite enjoyed called Dick with Kristen oh, Dunst. I still have never seen it. I know exactly uh, which about, box. Yeah, it's about Nixon era politics yeah. and how these two airheads kind of end up changing the fate of history. And yeah. uh, he's an interesting director. I, I, I like him. Um, and this movie is one of those weird snowball effect things. Like, uh, it didn't, it wasn't a powerhouse in the box office, but it stayed in the two or three range of the box office for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. It was one of those slow burn hits. And everybody remembers the craft. Like, it's not one of those 90s comedies that disappeared. And it actually landed in a really sweet spot right before Scream kind of, like, dominated the exactly, 90s. Yeah. It had a couple of the Scream stars actually in the movie. And it was tripping on, a, not not as strongly as Scream did, but the sort of winky kind of horror meta aspect that 90s cinema was going to be basically defined by. It doesn't overcook in that way. It still remains sort of a charming girl power movie. And that's sort of the best thing I would say about The Craft. I think it's got a really good cast and that it does exactly what you expect this type of movie to do. These outsiders find this power. The power initially elevates them but eventually corrupts them, Yeah, and the, we see the fallout of it. It's guilty of not reinventing the wheel at all, but it's entertaining enough that I understand its sort of place yeah. in pop culture. So, For sure. Uh, I don't think it's ever been one of my favorite 90s horror movies, but I have a lot of respect for the craft, and uh, yeah. it still makes me smile all these years later. There's a few things that just make you smile because it's kind of dated and cringy, and... That's okay. So far, at least, it's not spoiling the meal for me. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, knowing what the audience for this movie is, it's a teenage-focused comedy. Or not really comedy, but thriller. Yeah. Take it for what it is and enjoy it. I agree. Uh, upon rewatch, so this is one that I like. I was really excited about uh, coming on and talking about which movies because you had the craft in here. And like I had mentioned before... This was one of my like kind of sort of gateways into the genre because my sisters loved it right. and they was it was always playing at our house and I also think that my where I learned that I liked girls was Nev Campbell <laughs> and I think that that played <laughs> a big role. Content, baby. Exactly, yeah, and I I so I loved it immediately for that reason. I think it's because it always towed the line of scary and innocent perfectly when I was a kid. Like I was never horrified of the craft. It was always just kind of like a comfort food for me. Um, but I picked up the Scream Factory has put out a new release of it, and I was so excited to get it. And I watched it again, and I still like this movie quite a bit, but I think my memory was a little kinder to it than yeah. if I'm being honest with myself. <clears throat> I think if I didn't have to come on here and actually dissect it and talk about it, I would still always be like, yeah, I love the craft. But like, I think... Um, you can't review nostalgia. your memory of the movie. You yeah, exactly. Movie. And I think it's nostalgia played a big role in it. I still think that it's a... I still enjoy the movie. Mm -hmm. And I still had a good time watching it, but I definitely saw the seams that I didn't see before. And I saw, like... Um, but I think that for what it is, I think it's it's kind of an anomaly because this was an 18A movie. This was an R-rated movie. So it's another one of those things where it's like, who is this for? Because... Technically, well, it should be for teenage girls, shouldn't that it? That was a frustrating thing, because Andrew yeah. Fleming did not want it to be an R-rated movie. Yeah. In fact, he made a lot of careful cuts 
yeah. so that it wouldn't be an R-rated movie. And the MPAA said, no, it's about teenage girls doing satanic worship. It's rated R. Yeah. And it's which, like, well, if I'd have known that, I could have put more violence and more sa- I could have, you know, made this exactly like a, a, a titty witch movie or whatever, yeah. right? But like, so he kind of got that in a way it's sort of surprising that the movie managed to maintain its popularity because it's totally real, the audience it was made for had to wait for video. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's me. Like, it's pretty funny though that they, well, it's not funny. It's just kind of sick that the witchy and the, all the witch satanic stuff is what got them an R rating, but it probably wasn't the rape scenes or anything. No. There's a lot of really uncomfortable scenes in this movie, but I think that it embodies the nineties era of female horror movies like female-driven horror movies, and I think it does a really good job at that. It plays off a lot of uh, teenage insecurities in a lot of different ways, and I think that that's a really cool lens to tell a witch story. Um, if there's a time and place for a modern-day witch like this, you, you'd think that it's teenage girls right. or like people who are going through bullying or they're going through... They, they Each character has their own thing that they're going through, and they have their own motives for becoming wanting to be join this coven and make it actually happen and summon i can't remember his name but they always talk about him right <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know i i think it's uh i think it's really interesting i think like you said it's the cast too that nails it like it, it's just like such a such robin a perfect Tunney. time robin tunney let's talk about robin tunney she was hot off of the uh uh Empire Records. Yes, she was the... And uh, she was bald, so she was wearing a wig for the bulk of this movie. Very noticeable. I don't think it's that she necessarily sucks in the movie, but I think that Feruza Bulk and Neb Campbell and Rachel True kind of wipe her off the screen. They do. And she's the main character. Yeah. Particularly Feruza Bulk, although she's got sort of the juiciest character. She's like this five-foot-nothing power yes right she's just like all of this evil in there she could not say a thing and her presence is so well known yeah she's a very distinct character i think tunny kind of gets blown off the screen and that seems kind of like a mean thing to say and it's not even that i dislike her it's just how i feel no and i i totally agree with you there but like you said like one that's uh not talked about enough is rachel true like she i like how good her character is in that movie and she's she potentially has the most difficult job in the movie at some times. Like, there's, there, this was in the 90s, you know, we're still going through some pretty horrible stuff regarding race and everything. And I think that they, they touched on that in an effective way. It, like, it's still effective to this right. day. Like, it, it still bothered me watching that. And same with uh, Nev Campbell and her, her ailments, scars. her scars. Yeah. Like, there seems to, like, I don't know. I, I, I bought it. She's corrupted by her need to feel beautiful. And exactly. She can't feel beautiful while she has these yeah. scars. And so, so whatever it costs, yeah. whatever it costs to lose the scars is totally. okay to her. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to do. Um, I also like the commentary on the love-hate toxicity between female relationships. And yes. That they tend to feed off of each other. Yeah. In this case, literally. They don't know it, but Robin Tunney's character is the spark that makes this magic happen. So when they turn on her and try to kill her to absorb her power, by killing her, they would have killed anything that was giving them any yeah. kind of real thing. That This sort of self-destruct thing that happens between teenage girl groups, I think, is a very accurate and kind of ballsy it thing is, to yeah. play on. For sure. It's kind of the supporting roles that really remind you just how fucking 90s this is. Skeet, Skeet Ulrich. Ulrich. Yeah. <laughs> and he is like one of the most... 
hateable dudes. Yeah. Like, and I love, like, I he's think... He's more likable in Scream than he, he is. He is, yeah, he totally is. Him and, uh, what's, yeah, uh, Brecken Meyer. Brecken Meyer. Yeah, and, She's uh, awful. Christine like, Taylor, who's, that, that was a tough one. That's, uh, she's, like, one of the main characters in Dodgeball, and right. she's been married to Ben Stiller for a long time. She plays the, the racist prissy yeah, bully white girl yeah and it's yeah it's hard to watch her like that like it's hard to watch anyone like that but i i've like kind of grown to love her from dodgeball right. when i was a kid but hey yeah. you don't have to apologize for loving dodgeball that movie it's is a great movie that yeah. yeah but no i yeah i don't know i think uh for the most part it just it didn't live up to my memory but i still love it I still think I have a soft I have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. I remember seeing this. I think I was either a teenager or maybe I was like twenty or something like that. I saw it in like a mall theater, yeah. and uh, I thought that oh, was all right. And uh, I went out and I bought the soundtrack on the yeah. strength of watching the movie because I thought the soundtrack was baller when I was listening to it. That was such and a nice part thing. of the memory of it, and I think that's why I see what you're saying. How it sort of. It's not great, but you can. It, I just associate that with that time in my life. This movie was made for my demographic at yeah. the time, and I dutifully enjoyed it at the time. But it's not 1996 anymore. No, and that is so painfully obvious when yeah. you watch the movie again now. I still kind of enjoyed it, but it's yeah, bittersweet. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you have to understand. There is a war waging in heaven. On a rare occasion, a special child appears. Is everything all right? No. The curse, the lords of Salem. Possessing the souls of the Salem women, which the devil's child would inherit the earth. Satan, come, come to us! God does not spare angels when they sin. been here before my friend we've talked about rob zombie and how i think he's got a really good eye as a filmmaker and how i believe that somewhere in him he's got an epic horror movie brewing but i think personally he needs to find someone else to write it for him but stylistically i'm i'm intrigued by the guy but i'm constantly frustrated by his movies like i want him to be good yeah. maybe it's me maybe it's my want for them to be better than they are that yeah. like is the problem love it or hate it i think lords of salem and in a lot of ways is the quote purest rob zombie joint that we've got so far yeah it's not like a, a not so subtle tribute to the texas chainsaw massacre it doesn't require you know your knowledge of michael myers or a previously existing thing it's not basically a dressed up 
music video with no ideas, which was my experience of 31. Yeah. I think he's got some ideas to play with, some history to play with, some... A vibe that he wants to sort of, uh, you know, explore. He's going to press this nerve and tell us what we think of it. And it's successful in almost all things except for telling a story. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love, again, he's digging up old uh, actors that don't get enough screen time these days. I've always loved Meg Foster. And, yeah, uh, Barbara Crampton. She's quite frightening and intense in this movie. Um uh, Marie Conchito Alonso who, who, who's been giving a shit about Marie Conchito Alonso since like the 90s well Rob Zombie does and it's great to see her she doesn't have a lot to do in the movie but, but it's great to see her D. Wallace D. Wallace I just said Barbara Crampton and I feel like I should punch myself because I didn't mean to no, <laughs> I got okay. her mixed up for a second though but yeah D. Wallace it, it, yeah. well D. Wallace is just like this mascot yeah. for the horror genre and sci-fi genre absolutely yeah like an E.T., Close Encounters, Critters, Cujo, like... Yeah, everything. Everything. <laughs> She's a goddess. But in the end of the day, dude, I just end up wanting to like the movie more than I end up liking the movie. Like, I mean... Like, I give you, I'll attempt the plot for you. Sherry Moon Zombie, who's playing Heidi Hawthorne, is a DJ in Salem, Massachusetts. She gets this mysterious record sent to her. She plays it, and it seems to trigger a bizarre series of psychological visions and, and uh, disturbances to not just her, but all sorts of women that we see throughout the community. And it all culminates in this bizarre ritual of Salem and her being sort of given over to a supernatural entity. Uh, she doesn't seem to have any agency of control over what's happening to her. There's no puzzle for her to solve or evil for her to overcome. It's just an experience that happens to her, and we witness it. And she just floats around the movie. Yeah. Just floats around the events. That's, no, yeah, that's not, where it is. Not not to echo everything that you said, but th <laughs> this was on... I can't remember, because I have... Uh, I have not praised, but I've been forgivable. Like, I, I've been forgiving of this movie in the past with right. people. Um, I think that it's, it, like I said, it's my second favorite Rob Zombie movie. And I think it's a complete mess. Like right. it's, it is a complete mess. But I do think, like you had said, not to echo everything that you said, but he is a very visually interesting director at times. Somehow he came up with 31, which wasn't anything. Like right. that, that, like I was like, at least it's going to look good. It did not look good at all. This movie looks good. There's a lot of things about the look good. I think the, the, the witch designs are creepy. They're genuinely creepy. Um, I love all the neon lights with the like. There's just something about it that I like the mood of the movie, and that's always drawn me to it. Um, and that's where I was, I think, a little bit more forgiving of it. But it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. It's the, the story it completely falls apart. And this is, I think, Sherry Moon at her work. <coughs> like I, I, I had said before that uh, Sherry Moon's, she's not an act. Like I've, I've also been forgiving of her. Um, but upon rewatch, like she. It's it's so hard to just watch someone try so hard to act, and she just tries to act so hard in this movie, and it, it's uncomfortable to watch. Like she she doesn't know how to be natural or show any kind. Of, like when she's doing like nothing, she's okay. When she's not talking, but then it's like behaviorally exactly. But when you can see that she's receiving direction. It's like you got to be distraught. You got to be fall back on the dialogue, dude. Yeah, uh, their radio show, which is shared between Jeff Daniel Phillips and Ken Forey, who's you know from yeah, Dawn, Dawn of the Dead. Dead. 
their dialogue is not natural or tripping off the no. tongue or charming or ingratiating or in any way winning us over to any of the characters. And the screenplay really seems to think that it is. I know. And yeah. that's... I think it's because like, there, there's a killer idea here, but he just doesn't know what to do with it. Well, and even the great visuals, like the scene, she leaves her apartment, but then, like, hanging off the wall of her kitchen is oh. this creepy, like, bone... I love that rib scene. Ribcage, yeah. naked woman just standing there, but she doesn't see it. We yeah. Do. Next scene, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, all of this crazy shit is around her, but largely she doesn't see it, or when she does, she wakes up and dismisses it. And like I say, it all culminates in, like, the one thing that she does is, like, basically tells her buddies from the radio station to leave so that they are not corrupted by this evil event that's about to happen. Yeah. But everything else, she just willingly accepts her fate. She just walks to it, walks to the trap, lays down in the trap, triggers the trap, and then, oh my God, I'm in a trap. She's just fodder, but she no just... No agency yeah. to her character. Yeah. She's pretty. Yeah, and she's like clearly what you you know Rob Zombie's imagines his female fan base must look like. It's yeah. the same character that he has in every, every single one of his yeah. movies, which is again frustrating. Bruce Davidson almost has an interesting card to play in this movie yeah. because he's an author and knows a little about the history, and he's somehow strangely triggered by the music too. But the movie's not about him. It's no. so clearly about you know Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah. They have nothing to do with that character but kill him. So guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is the worst offense, because like, people always uh, critique him for casting Sherry Moon in all of his movies, but I think this is the worst offense of him writing something just to have her in it with no actual reason as to why. Like, why what, like, what made him decide that this was going to be the main character? It was like, no, there is no other reason than my wife's going to play this character, and I'm going to try and flesh her out, and like... Like, like he, we had said before, she just kind of floats around the movie and things happen that are kind of creepy to look at, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make any sense. And Or, or if it is inevitable, if it's something she can't, is inextricable, or yeah. inexplicably she can't get out of, What's maybe she could mourn it, or she could sense it, and we could sort of see the fear in her. Yeah. But no, we don't get any kind of build. We don't get this... We feel it's inevitable because, you know, eventually we're going to get to the, the yeah. end of the movie. And you know, and some of the imagery is memorably awful and, yeah. and, and strange. It and tries like, to do that 70s throwback style, too. I like that style of Coven, which yeah. is like old, haggy, naked ladies screaming mm -hmm. in the woods covered in mud and I blood love it, too. Door. Yeah, I love and it. like, that's the traditional scary hag witch that kind of that's what turns I want, my yeah. crank. Is yeah. And I appreciate that approach. In fact, like I'll give me a movie set in that time period about the, that coven of witches, yeah. frankly, because that everything with Meg Foster in that original coven, I like, like it's it's troubling and it's sort of you know memorably grim in how yeah. it's it's presented and he has that tactile thing that's in a lot of his movies. It like, hurts to watch it, yeah, in a good just, way. You the the deaths seem to have this impact to them. It's not, I well I don't find them like awesome maybe i feel sometimes like rob zombie does but yeah. for me it's like that's so horrible and so grim it's like it it, it makes it feel I, I i'm more sympathetic i, I yeah. empathize with that even if i don't like that character oh that's a bad way to go yeah dude. exactly yeah but <laughs> um, you're kind of given nothing to root for here because you don't give a shit about the main character and like a good example of something that does a lot of similarities a lot of similar things to this 
that's far superior is House of the Devil by Ty West oh, yeah. and Jocelyn Donahue, who's like a, an actress who, like you said, like she could be like, I, or you sort of said that she's in essence not doing anything, but we can relate. We we feel for her because she's a good actress yeah. and she's actually selling it. And like I can watch her just walk around a house and I'll be entertained and I'll care about her. But with uh, with what's her name? Sherry Moon. Sherry Moon. Yeah, I just. I don't give a shit. No, she isn't that relatable. She isn't. Yeah. Like, she's a little bit too cool for school. Yeah. She's living this ideal lifestyle for the, the, that fits her look. And is yeah, exactly. Trapped yeah. in the 70s. I'm sure if Rob Zombie existed in this universe, she had a big old crush on him. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, and in the way, yet again, I just feel like the ego got away and made, from it being an actually successful story. The atmosphere is there. The vibe is there. I think in a lot of ways, some of the supporting cast is there. But there's no story being told here. Yeah. It's just an inevitable series of events. And, you know, the first time you watch the movie, maybe you can ha- you know hang out some hope that it's going somewhere. But when you come back to it, yeah, you know, in the end, what does it all mean? What Agreed. does it all mean? Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't begin to answer it. And I don't think he has an answer either. He's like, no, it means it's fucked up and scary. Yeah, exactly. And you didn't get it. Sometimes fucked up and scary is enough, but yeah. I don't quite think so this time. No, yeah, I I agree, but I think what draws me to it is that I do I do feel like he was kind of close here. Like right. he he was sort or he he wasn't close. He was on track, or like he his mind was on the right track. Just nothing worked about it. Right. But the first time I watched it, I was kind of into it because I liked just how the witches looked. And I liked the, the scene that you're discussing. And I liked the, the, the sound, the, the idea of the Lords of Salem as a, like a band on a record and like how it can trigger these events. I'm like, man, this is really going to go somewhere sweet. And it just doesn't. No. Yeah. I mean, all the other women that we've seen in the town show up, for the big event at the end of the day but yeah there was again they didn't understand what was happening to them until what's happened to them happened to them exactly and that's kind of how I felt as an audience member and not in a good way yeah I agree
Thank you so much, Mitch, for returning once again for Rank and Review. Uh, we taught some witches. The curse has been lifted, let's hope. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm willing to guess that I know what the bottom of your list is, but I, I couldn't begin to guess what the top of it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very curious. What's your least favorite of these six witch movies and why? Okay, first, first, I'm just gonna say that like I am, co- I was confident coming in here that you and I are not gonna line up at all. Okay. But now that we've talked, I'm like, I feel like we were actually pretty. On, I was surprisingly on the same page, but I still have no idea where this is going. Right. Bottom of my list, hands down, season of the witch. <gasps> what? Yeah, exactly. I know. I know that's surprising. I should have said Suspiria, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, season of the witch. It's just, it's just a bad movie. It's just unsuccessful in everything that it tries to do. It's not even so bad that it's good. It's not even enjoyable in any way. I feel like it fails on all fronts, and it didn't have a reason to. I feel like with the cast behind it, as much as you know, you can love or hate Nicolas Cage all you want. Yeah. He, at the end of the day, he is a very well, like he's a well-known actor who has given us incredible performances at one point in time. Same could be said about Ron Perlman as a good supporting character. There, there's some talent behind this movie, and like what you like you said, the director. Uh, but there's just nothing here. No. No. So that is my number six. Am I continuing? <laughs> you, you please just bring them down. Count okay. Them down. Uh, number five is Lords of Salem. Uh, so this is one that I have previously said that I really enjoyed to people. And right. upon rewatch, I was like, maybe I was high. Because <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe at one point I was okay with watching a movie that didn't have a story. Right. Or didn't have one that was willing to try and bring things together in the end uh at the end of the day it's some cool images it's just another failure by rob zombie in my opinion um but it's still my second favorite movie from him there it is <laughs> uh but yeah lords of salem is my number five number four and three was a big t- was actually really hard for me because at one point i thought that one of these was my number one number four is hansel and gretel witch hunters so I had so much fun watching this movie, and I feel like it actually should, the way we talked about today, it should be my number one, or it should be higher on my list, but for me, it's just like, it's a nice surprise. I don't want to blow, I don't want to blow it out of proportion yeah. and make it seem like this I is some incredible, we, we are, but I think, I think as someone who went into it thinking, the, like, I was dreading watching it. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, I was excited to watch Season of the Witch, right. and I was dreading watching this, because I was like, I know I'm not going to like this. And it completely defied my expectations, and I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, there's some beautiful ladies in it, so yes, uh, I won't complain about that. And most, m- more, even more importantly than that, I'm a fan of the makeup in it. I really like the set decoration, and I think it makes it a well above, well above average good bad movie. Right. So that's my number four. Number three, which at one point in time when uh, I told you I want to do this particular episode, I was like, guarantee it's my number one, uh-huh. The Craft. Yeah, there <laughs> like, is it there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it has dropped uh, slightly, but I think it's it's not to say that I don't still enjoy the movie. It is because I've just kind of grown up since the first time I saw it. And I just, I, I enjoy it, but uh, I can see its flaws now and it's less relatable as a 28-year-old man. <laughs> Uh, watching yeah, it, a so teenage boy. exactly. I still share. Fond, I have fond memories of watching it with my sisters, and uh, I know my girlfriend. And I always talk. Well, we both really like witch stuff, so it's one that comes up a lot. I had a good time rewatching it, but it's just not the amazing movie that I thought it was, uh, or it, at least it doesn't hold up that way for me. 
Um, number two is the woods. And this one, I was complete wild card for me because I'd never even heard of it. Sometimes and, that helps. Yeah. yeah, it totally. And I think that it did. And I think I may have actually oversold this movie today as well, if that's <laughs> the case. But for me, it's just like I, I went into it completely blind. And that's a pretty awesome experience for someone who life is movies like all i do is watch movies it's all i care about it's not like me to criticize a horror movie for taking its time like, yeah that, that is an unusual thing no yeah to say but yeah uh, um no I, I i can totally understand where people's problems with this yeah like, like i i can understand it not being for everybody uh but it just so happened to be the perfect sunday afternoon movie that it came to be in my life like i I had a good enough time watching it, and uh, I really enjoyed the performances. And once again, the set played a huge role in it. I liked the way that it was shot, um, and this the CGI was really cool. I don't normally praise CGI, but I, I liked the trees, especially in a low budget movie. Sometimes the it CGI looks very well, is yeah. a little rickety. Yeah, but not this time. So. Yeah, it looked really good. And at number one, the movie that I feel like we talked about the least today, I guess, uh, is Suspiria. Dario Argento's Suspiria. Um, it's the movie that there's both the most and least to say about to me in some ways I, yeah because I think uh, I, well to be honest I think most of the things that are to be could be said about Suspiria have been said Yeah, I think it's a movie that um, I personally do feel like it is a classic but I would certainly not put it beside The Exorcist or something right. like that um, I think it's a classic in a different world of cinema that not everyone's exposed to yet and I think it's it's proven for me that it's a it's, it's a there's always stuff that you can discover in the horror genre and that's why I love it so much and that's why uh, I've always liked witch movies but for some reason I haven't seen debatably the best witch movie until last year and yeah and I don't I I still don't think that it's like debatably the best but I do think it's a it's a really interesting movie unlike anything else that I've seen Uh, like nowadays there's stuff that I can see similarities in but uh, I would just say they're like Suspiria like before this this was the first this was the first movie of its kind for me, yeah. and uh, I really love it for that reason. Well, I gotta say, Mitch, like, really, really close. Fuck. Really, I, yeah. really close. And the problem is, is that, like, I'm not passionate about this at all. Yeah. Like, my level of dispassion is high enough. Like, I wish I would cheat. I could almost cheat on your behalf. Like, yeah. it's. I want there to be better witch movies to talk about, frankly. Yeah. I mean, maybe I got a, a slightly sour bunch, but um, we made excuses for some. I do yeah. think we're overselling. Yes. Uh, Hansel and Gretel. We are. Personally. 100%. Yeah. But uh, we're not overselling Season of the Witch, which yes. I agree is going to be at the bottom of this list. POS. And it would likely be at the bottom of most any list I could find to put it on. It's, it's yeah. just not memorable. No. It's just not memorable. Yeah. I've seen it three times. I don't remember it. No. It's over. Put it away. It's gone. <laughs> We're with you, though. I thought that you were going to put Lords of Salem considerably higher than I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I gave it another honest day in court, and I was like, okay, this time I'm going to get it, because it is one that people use as defense. Yeah. The Rob Zombie. But no, it just... Didn't work. Doesn't work for me. It's yeah. almost there, though. It's one of those things that you can sort of see the good movie just under the skin of it, which makes yeah. it a worse movie because it becomes frustrating after a point. You, Absolutely. Yeah. You almost have something really strong and interesting here, but it's just teasing us. Perhaps overperforming, some might argue, all the way in fourth place, yes. I have Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. It's not just my my crush on Gemma Arterton and her freckles and her accent and her everything. Yeah. She loves me so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... 
it's not it's not just that i guess i would say yeah uh, it does have some fun dumb charm to it totally but i'm gonna put an Capital F on the thumb and a capital D on the down. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. just know what you're getting into. I exactly. think like on the right day it's the right movie. On the wrong day you'll be like, Jesus Larry. Yeah. Exactly. No yeah. credibility yeah. anymore. So here's where we, we missed. Uh, I put the woods in third place. Okay. I don't know if it's maybe that I hold Lucky McGee to this higher level because like I really find his shit interesting. Yeah. Did you ever see his Master of Horror? He did the the Bug Girl. I still haven't seen that one. No. Uh, he's he's sort of good for girl power. He he can work your nerves. He he's not afraid to work some sensitive issues. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know, girl power set in the sixties and the, uh, maybe I just was asking more for it than it than it really had to offer, but. Um, I liked it and I wanted to love it. And, yeah. And, and I don't know if that's the movie's fault or it's mine, but it yeah. ended up in third place. I got a nostalgic thing for the Damn, craft. man, and that is the exact... I was going to switch that. Oh, really? Yeah, because nostalgic reasons. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 In a way, when we were doing this list, The Craft felt like a homework movie to me. Like, yeah, yeah. it's been a while since I watched The Craft. I can watch The Craft. It's no big deal. But I wasn't, like, excited to watch yeah. The Craft. And it went down fine. And the stuff that was a little bit awkward about it was almost sort of cute and charming yeah. because the 90s and who I was at the time. And yeah. Maybe that's not a fair reason to give it a, an edge over the woods, but I guess nostalgia won the day for me in this particular way. Yeah. And I know it sounded like I was talking a lot of shit about Suspiria because I was talking a lot of shit about Suspiria. Yeah. I understand. I get it, you guys. Suspiria yeah. is interesting, and it's a very richly artistically designed horror movie, and that in of itself is kind of a rare thing. Totally, but you can at, sit down now, Lee. Yeah, like, at the risk of being like voicing an unpopular opinion, I will say, as good as it is, Suspiria is perhaps slightly overrated. In your opinion, <laughs> in yes. my opinion. Uh, but um, that must have been very a, close. Yeah, that was crazy close. I did not see that coming. <laughs> um, that must have been a slog for you to get through if Suspiria was your favorite. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Like, I'm yeah. not super passionate about yeah. the list. And, like, maybe I enjoyed, quote, watching Hansel and Gretel more than I watched yeah. Suspiria. But can I tell you that it's a better no. movie than Suspiria? Absolutely not. No, I can't do well, that. <laughs> I won't do that. Yeah. Same thing with the craft. I had fun watching it. It's not amazing. Yeah. But that's what I want. I For want sure. an amazing witch movie. Yeah. And uh, if, if it gets made, we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, I want you to see... I'm not going to overpraise Piwacket because I don't think that that's going to do it any any favors. But you okay. should check out Piwacket as soon as you can. Okay. Yeah. It's on my to-do list. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody has to listen to the Terror Table podcast because uh, it's the good. So you guys know what you're doing. Yeah, we're dummies, but we have fun. <laughs> um, I know you've been getting into the books now. Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know if you ever if you ever want to tackle an episode on Stephen King or specifically it. I don't know if you've heard my review on it. No. Fairly important book in my youth. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've heard you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of the first book that I read of my own choice. Yeah. And I read it because it was the biggest book on the shelf. Hell yeah. 
right? I was having all these uh, issues with reading at school, and I told myself, well, if I can read the biggest book on Dad's bookshelf, yeah. then no one can tell me I have a fucking problem reading. That's awesome. The biggest book on the bookshelf yeah. was It. And plus we're on the eve of, you know, It Part 2 coming out. Yeah. I would happily throw myself on that grenade if you were going to do that. Yeah, but, if, uh, if it comes on the road, I, you know I will be messaging you. <laughs> Um, but yes, you guys and, and uh, everybody's welcome to come back to Rank and Review. Please spread yeah. the word amongst your co-hosts. Oh yeah, Bo- Boozy would love to come Boozy's back. Boozy's already selected his next episode. I'm still not oh, has convinced he? that uh, your other host exists because I've no. been on the show twice but never met the man. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's an enigma, that one. We don't know. I think you guys are just throwing your voices or something. Yeah, he's, he's a hologram at this point. <laughs> Uh, Terror Table, find it where you find good podcasts. Mitch, always a pleasure. Oh yeah, thanks Larry. So we just burned through that list of witches, and uh, I think maybe what I'm going to do now is just show a quick excerpt from uh, episode 108 of Terror Table, where they have distinguished guest Larry Parsons to discuss, well, many things. We do a full-length review of A Dark Song, but this is just a quick little clip of uh, me doing what some of my R&R recommends, just a, a handful of movies from my collection that I decide to try and sell to the boys and the listeners to their podcast. So here's a quick excerpt from The Terror Table, episode 108. I hope Finch is okay with this. I'm dropping this episode or putting the episode together the night before it drops, so I'm assuming he's okay with me dropping this quick clip. And if not, I'm hoping I'm getting away with something. I hope you enjoy Um, Larry, do, would you like to go first? Just, sure, if you like. I, hit us. I went a... ahead and brought a bunch of R&R recommends, sort of just like I did last time. Perfect. I brought a bunch of movies yep. just to get your thoughts on them. Love it. Um, but I also wanted to clear the air because of last time I was here. You guys, well, I mean, you, you asked me, like, what were my favorite zombies and found footage movies, and I just pulled them out of the air. And I somehow didn't mention the Wreck franchise, which is, of course, representing both. Yeah. It's one of those things that I just, like, it nagged me that it didn't Yeah, <laughs> I didn't you, say It's it. been torturing it's like, you at night. Like, Why didn't I say it? I was trying to support zombies and found footage. Why did I not mention Wreck? That is sort Yeah, of the, it's like the golden, the gold pinnacle. standard. I'm, I'm in the process of re-watching those films right now for... Uh, our friends at Erie International, I'm going to be doing an episode with our friend David on the whole Wreck franchise. And like, nice. God damn, those first two movies. Like, I, I honestly, I haven't seen three or four. The first two Wreck movies are what the Doom movie should have yeah. been. And Upgrade is what the Venom movie should have been. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I, I can't <laughs> say any more because... I, I can't fall down a Venom rabbit hole. <laughs> I still haven't seen Upgrade, so... Oh, You're going to love Upgrade. Yeah, you will love Upgrade. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm, my, my feelings are... You guys know Grabbers? Yeah, I've seen Grabbers. <laughs> Grabbers I is great. I want to say yes. Um, it's, uh, I believe, an Irish film yep. about these... Uh, Squid creatures that come out to yeah. try and eat people. Yeah, but they yeah, won't I have eat seen you this. If your blood alcohol level is to so a everyone has degree. to drink to. Yeah. So they have to deal with this crisis monster attack while being shit faced the whole time, and it's deeply charming. I think it's a fun sort of like Saturday. Wait night. a second, did Empire misquote them? Okay, so there's a quote on the back that says, "Like Super Eight laced with special brew." Are they meaning Strange Brew? 
Maybe. Is Special Brew a thing? It's a British movie I th- or an English movie, but I thought maybe it was just something that they... Well, because Strange maybe, Brew's yeah, Canadian like, as fuck. Right. Maybe that's and, just one of their things they say. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's great. How do we feel about the Hallow? Oh, my God. Boozy's going to jizz on you. <laughs> I'm, You're like, in the splash zone now, yeah, sir. Where did you find a copy of that? <laughs> um, where did, I don't remember where I got that copy of the Hallow. Um, I love that movie. Um, it... Guillermo del Toro did this, or produced this pseudo remake of that TV movie. Um, and my my mind is going. But, uh, Don't be afraid don't of the be dark. Don't be afraid of the dark. This is like the better version of Don't Be Afraid of the Dark to me. And I feel like a lot of people might have missed it, which is why I wanted to shout it out here. You want to know a fun I, fact about? Oh, sorry, you. Go. I was gonna say uh, I was a little disappointed. Like I haven't seen the Nun yet, but obviously the the Nun is directed by Corn Hardy, who also The Hallow was his first feature. Right. And I remember after watching The Hallow, I was like obsessed with it. I was like, I I can't wait for him to break out and do something else. And then obviously I can't say for myself because I haven't seen the Nun, but it it didn't sound like the Nun was. Some people really liked it i, like I, don't, I don't think it's the right subject matter for him i would they'll, say they'll pluck indie directors and throw them into a franchise position which is good for them to get a good payday <laughs> a professional film under their belt <coughs> the guy who did the citadel did the sequel yeah. to sinister it's fucking terrible right i hated i them. love the citadel, citadel is so the good sinister 2 did nothing for me but i yeah. still wouldn't give up on that director i was just like he, he was trying to make the best of a bad situation. Fun fact, just sorry, before you go on, oh my god, I love that movie, but fun fact, <laughs> uh, The Hollow, and you talked about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Fun fact about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Director is Troy Nexi, who's from Saskatoon. What? Yeah, he's a Saskatoon guy. He was a comic book writer. He was on episode 100 of Erie International. But I did not know he's that. He's a Saskatoon what, dog. Why have we not contacted This is, ed- that's education. Erie already did See, it. See, I learned something yeah. today. And that's, I actually, I like Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, but I, I, the hollow is far superior, <laughs> like, but very similar. No, talk about this. Oh, right. <laughs> um, Pontypool. I love Pontypool. I, I mean, it's Canadian. I assumed you guys must know Pontypool, mm-hmm. but I, uh, it's, I think that in Canada it's got a really good reputation, but I just want, I want everybody to watch Pontypool. It's, it, you know, this guy is hosting a radio show in a small town. He used to be a big Mm-hmm. big news and now he's sort of slumming it he's not liking his life but he's forced <laughs> to like host this apocalypse uh where there's some sort of zombie virus that's being spread by the human language yeah this is very regional but it's like if john gormley was surviving a like zombie apocalypse <laughs> and still on the air like he's more tolerable than john gormley but. <laughs> yeah and he's not a political talk show no but but, but like yeah so by trying to help things, he might actually be making things worse. And it's really a one-room thriller in a lot of ways. Uh, Bruce McDonald directed it, sort of a quintessential Canadian indie film man- maker. like The most Canadian name ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, this one's ripe for... It's ripe for a Terror Table episode. <laughs> um, you said that you were slowly went over into vampires, right? Yeah. I love vampires. Okay. I love vampire movies. I feel like I'm the only person who really likes Byzantium. I've never seen it. Never seen it. That's okay. the only one of this pile I haven't seen. Uh, I've got a few more hiding in my bag here. But, uh... <laughs> Okay, so this is from the same guy who directed uh, Interview with the Vampire, uh, Bi- Neil Jordan. Byzant- okay. Byzantium? Byzantium. Okay. Uh, Gemma Arterton, she was in The the Girl with All the Gifts. Ooh, okay, great, yeah, yeah. great film. She is so gorgeous, you guys. I mean, that's the one thing that like, she spends the whole movie, you know, just hitting on oh, me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, she, she and her daughter are vampires in a vampire world where female vampires are not allowed. 
So they're constantly being hunted by these male vampires. And there's good vampires and bad vampires. It's got this big epic sort of sweep to it. But I think it's actually a far better movie than Interview with a Vampire. And again, it's another one that I think a lot of people miss. That looks fairly new. Like, how old is that? It's five years old, something okay. like that. I, mean, I still consider that fairly new. Yeah. New enough? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, how do you say her name again? Saros Ronan. Sorcy Ronan. Sorcy, yeah, cause she's in. Uh, she's Lady Bird, correct? Am yes. I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's been coming up. I write a oh, bunch. fuck I yeah. Well, yeah. This is why we love I, it. I love that, that instead of just writing things down, like you have all these movies. You yeah. actually own these For those things. of you who can't, well, you can't, none of you can see. Larry's pulling out of a backpack just movies upon <laughs> movies upon movies, and I love it. 99% of the movies you'll hear reviewed on Rank and Review, are, I own. I own yeah, and, that, and that's what I loved about it. Because <laughs> Lee told me, is like, when you go over there to do Rank and Review, you got to ask about the collection. You showed me, like, I not even half, maybe? It's Which causing... Is, considerable strain on my relationship with my wife I think. it's it and that is crazy so when you check out rank and review you'll see that he does six movies an episode yeah like it's Usually, crazy yeah. yeah so yeah i brought uh, you know, I, I just grabbed 10 because i don't know i mean you guys know the resurrection i know of it but i still have never no. seen it chris sarandon i love him um it's interesting the dan o'bannon Wrote and directed it. He made a little movie called Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Please do not throw blank faces at me when I say of course. Return of the yes. Living Dead. The whole time you're saying Dan I'm like, I've heard that. No, of course, Return of the Dead. Yeah. Um, like, he wrote a bunch of, well, famously, he wrote Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That's why I fucking know it. Because <laughs> yeah, I have exactly. his book, yeah. Um, and Life Force, this really fucking bizarre... Love it. Tons is, of boobs. Uh, <laughs> so many boobs. Movie. So but this is one of his more straight... It's a Lovecraft adaptation. It's a, what, 80s special effects movie that a lot of people missed mm-hmm. check it out that's it called is the not, resurrected it's called the resurrected it's not as fucking crazy as return of the living dead <laughs> scream Fa- scream factory put it out a couple years ago yeah yeah it's a it's a good movie and there's not a lot of really great lovecraft adaptations for some reason so yeah, i think it's uh, a weird thing to nail down it's there's, there's a lot of people who imitate it really well you own a copy of that of the hidden, I love the hidden. Goddamn right, the hidden. This is a movie that I want Boozy to watch so fucking bad. The hidden is a movie that Boozy would love. Like this is Courtney's first entry onto Letterboxd, and she gave it five out of five because it is the most insane. I don't know if that's that's like where I know you want to hang your flag on that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, but we had so much fun watching it. It's a made-for-TV movie, is it not? Like, I, no, I think it had a theatrical run. Okay, I, I might be wrong about that. Uh, I was way too young to watch the movie when I first saw it, but it's another one of these '80s action movies that has everything. It's an '80s buddy cop comedy, but it's got like aliens in it, and it's got like a really dark sense of humor. It's it's way over the top it's and car kind of like sleazy and yeah. stupid, but like in a deliciously 80s package. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert has a great quote on the box cover quote is it's a cross between invasion of the body snatchers and the terminator that is not wow. unfair that is not unfair no I'm it's sold. incredibly violent and not smart but yeah but kyle mclaughlin yeah twin the, peaks the buddy comedy fish out of water stuff is not as interesting as the alien shoots shooting people stuff but yeah. it's totally worth your time <laughs> um what monster or as it is usually known humanoids from the deep oh yeah humanoids from the deep i've seen i I got nothing on that one (laughs) okay well this is just a little bit sorry closer to the mic (laughs) it's 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 an insane inappropriate kind of offensive movie the kind of movie that doesn't get made anymore fish monsters come out of the ocean and rape women and kill men oh (laughs) 
I like the cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like a super cheap Roger Corman, the guy who did the special effects. I fucking love Roger. Yeah. Everything Roger Corman touches is hilarious. The kid who did the special effects, and then I want to say went on to do the the special effects for the thing. It might be Botine. I can't remember. Rob Botin? Yeah, Botine. Sorry. Rob, Bo- Rob Botine. I want to say it was one of his first special effects uh, uh, ones. And uh, Guilty Pleasure, yes. And Sleazy, yes. Like, they don't and won't make movies like this anymore. Yeah. But there is something... There's a time capsule quality to it. And again, it's not one that a lot of people have seen. James so. Horner did the fucking score for this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're not playing around. <laughs> um, I've been recently getting fascinated with the made-for-TV scary movies. Are you guys aware of The Dark Knight of the Scarecrow? I'm aware of it, but I've never seen it. <laughs> this was made for television and it aired in the early 80s. Um, there is a vicious attack on a local girl in this small town, and they blame this local idiot uh, played by Larry Drake. Any Dr. Giggles fans? Yeah, uh, I've seen Dr. Giggles. <laughs> he, he, uh, they falsely accuse him and basically lynch him, and, and uh, a spooky scarecrow comes to take vengeance. Oh, I was going to say, this is this sounds a lot like the plot for like Darkness Falls. <laughs> uh, again, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's got surprising darkness for a movie that was made for television. And uh, it, I think it's worth a watch for horror. Is, is the violence fairly tame for that then? If it was made for... The violence is largely implied, but it does have its a couple of moments. Mm-hmm. There's a few of these. That if you guys ever seen The Other... There's another 70s TV, made-for-TV movie about this little kid who loses his twin and his oh, mind. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, but... It's so fucking dark. I like, want to see that, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you have the deluxe collector's edition of Dark Knight of the Scarecrow <laughs> speaks volumes for your collection. Can you imagine I hope what? that you have, like, the regular one and then the, the deluxe collector's edition. <laughs> just the fact that you have that, it's just like, what fucking don't you have? <laughs> I, I do have. I do say no. You know what? I do not have any Twilight movies in my collection. Okay, that was like. There's where, a line where that is the line. That's the only line you'll draw. I mean, I, like I think we've said last time was on the show. Like if I if I see a horror movie for less than five bucks, I'm kind of tempted just to check it out. It feels like. Uh, I'm such a horror movie junkie that I figure that's a safe gamble, even if I hate it. it well, fine. that's yeah. the last time I bumped into you. Um, we were at Walmart, Walmart looking in the $5 bin. Yeah, right before <laughs> Halloween. We were just scouring for goodies. I bought a shitload of stuff, and I'm pretty sure you had a handful of I things. I tried well. to talk you into buying Deep Blue Sea. I don't think you were biting. You should. No, I wanted, Five the, I wanted the Blu-ray. Sea. I wanted the Blu-ray, uh, though. Oh, right. That yeah. is a fucking meat cute <laughs> if I've ever heard one. You guys bump into each other at the $5 bin at Walmart. It was Fireworks. Meant to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> Housebound from New oh, Zealand. Oh, I love that yeah. movie. Yep. Great horror comedy and yeah. has one of the best spit takes in film history. Yeah, this woman's forced to stay in her house with her crazy parents, her mother and her stepfather, and she becomes convinced that there's something else in the house. And, and she's on house arrest. Yeah, she can't leave. And it's not a predictable movie at all, no. but it's, uh, again, another one that I, a lot of times I, I, I mention to people, and they're like, I've never heard great of that. Great New Zealand movie. Yeah. yeah. And they play that at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. Oh, it's great, so yeah. there it was. And the last one that I brought with me today is The Possession of David O'Reilly. I feel like I've seen this and I feel like I've turned it off. Oh, really? But I don't know if it, it could be. There's so many The Possession of this. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. The Possession of Michael something. Uh, Michael Kane. Yeah, that's the one I watched. Uh, Michael King, yeah. Michael uh, is King. That, is that really bad? Oh, I, it's I have it on terrible. the list that, that apparently is pretty good. I was going to watch. I don't like it. But <laughs> there's a lot of Possession of so-and-sos. Yeah. The Michael King one is the one where the guy, you know, was trying to disprove stuff. And he has yeah. a curse. Yeah, that's the one I saw. This is a different one. Um. 
it sort of rides the line of where it's you could you could interpret it as somebody who's suffering mental illness. But this guy, David O'Reilly, comes to his best friend and his girlfriend's house late at night, and he is terrified. He believes something is after him, but they believe he's got this anxiety disorder. He's he's mentally ill. But as the night goes on, they start becoming increasingly convinced that maybe something will be up. It's one of these really lo-fi, intimate, one room, you know, all about the interactions between the characters. But it, again, if it's your jam, uh, it's a surprising. It's got that verite style. It's sort of shaky cam, but it's not found footage. It's mm-hmm. just okay. It's just that mm-hmm. style. But again, it's just an, it, it's kind of sinks its fingernails into you a little bit, and it's another one that I find most people don't talk about. So that's why I brought it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, that's an awesome. Is that, is that enough of what uh, what I've been watching? Yeah, I would love to say that this is going to be in our show notes, but that would be so fucking much. I'll, I'll try and write all these down in the show notes so people can, if they like, think of if they somehow miss the title, they can. Well, maybe next time I'll bring five instead of ten. I'm sorry. No, bring back <laughs> uh, next time. You're bringing twenty. Next, that's the challenge for next time. Another action-packed edition of Rank and Review has come to a close. I'd like to once again thank Mr. Mitch Oliver for being on my show, and I would like to apologize to any witches that we may have offended who were listening. I'd like to think I really hit the, uh, the, the niche market that is, you know, the witch community in central Canada. Uh, if, if you're a witch and you'd like to send feedback, or if you're not a witch and you'd like to send feedback, try it by doing it at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please check out the website at rankandreview.ca, and do check out the Terror Table podcast, because it's the goods. Thank you for listening to Rank and Review, and please continue to do so. You have proven yourself a person of great taste in podcasts.